you have reached a phone call from Paul, a literary hub podcast. To hear more, visit lethub.com. Part 1 of Paul Holden Graber's Conversation with Eric Jarosinski. Hello? Hello! Hello, Eric. Who is this? This is Paul. <laughs> yeah, I suspected as much. You made me wait for your call. You made me very nervous. I did, I did make you wait for my call. It, did it make you nervous? Yes, I, I never talk on the phone anymore, so uh, it's... Uh... I'm out of practice. It's funny, you know, this this business of of um, the phone, the phone becoming exotic. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I have to have a pretty important reason to call anyone these days. It's true. Why, why? Why do you think that is? I mean, why? Why? Why is the phone? Um, well, why is it? Why do you have to have a pretty important reason to call someone? Is it, is it that the phone is too, too immediate, too too intimate? Uh, it's just that it's you don't know what you're interrupting. Essentially, I mean, I think we've gotten used to um, not being interrupted by communication and kind of getting to uh, a text message or an email when you've got time to read it. Essentially, um, and so I think that in a way, it's. Uh, it's almost like stopping by someone's house unannounced. Um, that's a little bit what it feels like, I think. You know, so the, the whole notion of, of the, the phone call, which in, in some way should be, should be a way to, to connect with people intimately, has become something we avoid and that is disturbing. I remember, I remember the days when people had answering machines that they used precisely for that purpose. Right. You know, so that a certain oh. romance would be created. You you knew that you knew when to call, not to reach the person, and to mm. just leave a message on the answering machine. Right, right. Yeah, I, I have some vague memories of that myself. <laughs> do you do you like speaking on the phone? Uh, no, not at all. No, I'm 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 doing this despite the fact that uh, I don't think I like speaking on the phone at all, except uh, for job interviews. Well, a job interviews on the phone. Well, this isn't a job interview. That I, that I much prefer, actually. Uh, otherwise, no, I'm not 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 a big phone person. So you know, um, in 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 a sense, I'm I'm wondering if your your preferred mode of communication, it would seem now, um, isn't a nice segue to to our initial comments about the phone, which is that. You you spend a fair amount of time away from from direct communication, though you are, in a sense, directly communicating with over a hundred thousand people through your your Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and often, I might spend all day uh, online and a lot of it on Twitter, but I won't check my email that whole day. For instance, um, so that's uh, yeah, that's it's definitely uh, the way in which things are developed for me. Uh, there's just, um, and I think partially it's it's just the fact that uh, my old job as a professor, email has become such an important part of that job, and um, it's something that I felt like I was constantly distracted by. And uh, for myself now, I guess I 
I try to keep it at bay as much as possible. And email, in a way, in that sense, in 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 the way you're you're expressing it, is is similar to to the phone call. It sort of interrupts you from what you're doing. Yeah, if if you let it, yeah, definitely, it's the case. Yeah. So. So. And now I have a little more freedom not to let it. <laughs> Eric, um, tell me. For for what did I interrupt today when I when I called you? What 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 has your day been like? What has my day been like? Oh, I was afraid you were going to ask that. So you should have done something interesting. No, no, you 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 know you you wrote this magnificent magnificent tweet be before the weekend, precisely encouraging people to 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 waste their weekend away that's what happens so yeah. no i'm i'm not i'm not i'm not expecting you to have done a hundred things don't 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 feel the oh, pressure no, no. today was typical i mean i guess i've uh, been following a lot of news today uh, i write my column for the german paper die zeit always very early tuesday mornings and so monday in particular i really need to get caught up with the news and so i listen to two or three German, Austrian, Swiss radio stations, reports, uh, go through three or four newspapers, um, some TV stuff. So that's what I was doing today a lot. And uh, logistics for my my never-ending uh, failed intellectual goodwill tour, um, setting up some, some new dates. And uh, that's what I spent a lot of time doing now. So um, a pretty typical Monday in that respect. T- tell me what 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 this failed intellectual uh, tour is about. Um, I, I know a little bit from from following following your Twitter feed that sure. you, you're you're in oh. some way um, your own impresario. <laughs> well, that would be uh, that would be one way of putting it. A bit of an amateur at it still, but I'm. Uh, I knew that I couldn't do a reading of of the book that that uh, I did came out in, in the fall uh, in the U.S. Uh, 9, a manifesto, because uh, the texts are very short, for one. And two, uh, I don't actually like to read them aloud at all. And so I needed to find some format for how I could present uh, essentially texts that are usually at the most two sentences long. And uh, so I kind of developed a way of doing I guess you could simply say sort of a lecture, but I don't want to call it that. Uh, I want to call it more of a show um, where I essentially play the straight man to kind of uh, jokes that are told on the screen. And uh, that's what I've been doing in various forms for the last, I don't know, I guess a little over a year at this point. And you don't like the word lecture because it, it reminds you of... of uh, um, <laughs> those wonderful... I do my old job, but also it has something to do with the fact that I... Um, I'm trying to kind of find a different, uh, sort of a different format and a different space because uh, uh, if people walk into something uh, that's called a lecture, they're going to sort of react to it as one uh, early on. I mean, you see people just when they enter a lecture hall, you get used to this as a professor uh, and working in different classrooms. People come in and they just take on a different posture and a different attitude kind of depending on where they're seated and, and uh, what they're expecting to happen. And for me, lecture isn't what I wanted. Um, I wanted something else, which is, uh, um, in a way, going to uh, express the fact that I'm working with a fair amount of fool's freedom in what I do now, and I kind of want people to join me in that. And um, so a lot of it is an attempt to kind of 
um, do some halfway smart uh, jokes, um, but uh, to do it without the pressure that people have to get it or people have to like it or that um, somehow it has to be uh, that I have to have something important to say because uh, a lot of it's just just fun, um, smart smart entertainment. You know, I, I have the same aversion you do um, to the word lecture. I really, I really don't like it. Um, it people when they they ask about what we will do at the New York Public Library, and I, I, I veer away as much as possible from 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 the word, word lecture. I've often been asked, "What is it?" And I've I've come up with two words, which which may work for you too, which is okay, cognitive theater. some version of that perhaps uh, because that actually is something I'm looking for now is sort of a name um, because you can steal I, it yeah well if I keep doing this I sort of need a name for this genre if you will you know it's um, and I don't really have anything yet and uh, uh, that's 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 one of my projects is to come up with some some good way of, of, of putting that so that I can appear in lots of different uh, contexts because my my best uh, shows, that's usually what I call them myself, have been at bars or at a cafe or uh, some unusual place like that um, that's uh, not, you know, a lecture hall and not a bookstore. And um, uh, that's what I'm kind of looking to do more of. Um, so uh, whatever it is, whatever it is that, it, that, 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 that is required to kind of get my foot in that door, that's, that's what I'm trying to do right now. It's it's amazing to me um, how the the way we speak to each other has changed so little that you know a lecture today is probably not unlike a lecture a hundred years ago. <laughs> you know that one hasn't, and and the the fact that you're looking for a new format, I think, is very very promising. Um, and and I wish you good luck with that because I think we need to find a new form of address, a new form of speaking to each other, a new form of conviviality, as it were. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I mean, that was one of my big frustrations as a professor. Was, um, and in fact, that was the main thing I was trying to teach grad students my last few years was uh, how to do conference papers differently than they're normally done uh, because that's... Uh, to me, always been one of the greatest frustrations that you have people with very interesting things to say, but formulated in such a way that no listener can 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 follow them, and uh, it often has the effect, in particular, of, of grad students or people who are not so uh, been in a field very long, they end up feeling stupid, right? Uh, whereas actually nobody sitting in this audience could understand what was being said or follow an argument because. You know, essentially, it's 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 a, a written argument that needs to be read and underlined and thought about, um, not simply listened to. And in a way, it's the end of talent, isn't it? It's the end yeah. end of talent when, when in fact, you're going to something that is not performative, such as so many lectures, and you yeah. imagine yourself <laughs> so much happier at home with a good glass of wine or a stiff drink, yeah, but reading it. I would say it is performative, just as performative but it's a bad performance. 
Right. The goals, the goals, the performance are different. I mean, when I was doing that uh, early on, uh, the goal was uh, make sure nobody asks any questions uh, because I don't want to be put on the spot because I'm not going to have the answer. And uh, in a way, it's sort of just a self-defense, protective kind of kind of delivery. Uh, whereas if you do it differently. And you can talk about a book that maybe half or more of the audience has never read, but you talk about it in a way that even they could ask a question about what you're talking about. You know, you're opening yourself up to communication, and that means, you, in a way, you're taking a little bit more of a risk because you're actually talking about some back and forth. Um, so I'd say it's, it's performative. It's, it just has a different, a different function often. So, you know, Eric, I, I'm, I've grown really uh, quite a fan of, of your Twitter feed, and I've grown quite addicted to Twitter itself. It's it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting mode of of um, I don't know is it a mode of communication? Um, what what is it? Uh, and what is it that you you're doing? I mean, I I I I just as we were talking, I I pulled up your Twitter feed, because I mentioned one one tweet of yours that I very much liked before the weekend and which gave me great hope that I was going to have a, a magnificent weekend. And, <laughs> and you say in it, weekends made easy. One, plan something. Two, do nothing. Three, regret everything. <laughs> Actually, I, I like the way you read these tweets. You've got the right voice for it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe we should do something together. You know, you write them and I'll read them. That that might work because I don't think my, my voice is, is, is the one that actually works with the way I'm writing. But uh, I would say, I don't know what is Twitter. It's, it, it's changed for me a lot over time. It's... Um, but communication, uh, I mean, to be honest about it, for me, it's, it's much less about real two-way communication these days. I spend more time writing uh, Twitter than, than reading it. Um, I don't try to have conversations on it. Um, for me, it's actually more about testing out ideas now and experimenting with little forms. I mean, it's, it's more of a notepad with, with feedback uh, in a lot of ways. Um, that's at least how I see it right now. And uh, for me also, I mean, once you have a little larger audience, then um, you can potentially support uh, projects that, that you want other people to know about and so on. And so that's also an important part of, of Twitter for me as well, is sort of visibility for things that, that I believe in, want to support in some way or another. But when you, when you say a little bit of an audience, um, you know, Nine Quarterly, which is uh, at Nine Quarterly, which is your, your Twitter address, if that's the uh -huh. right way to, to, to speak of it, has over 100,000 people, 130,000 yeah, people. But, I, mean, I, I mean, I have to say the, the, those numbers seem big. Um, on a day-to-day -day basis, though, the, the world of Twitter is very small, I find. Um, in, in terms of the active users, people who respond in any form, you know, to to what I'm doing on Twitter on a given day, might be a maximum of a hundred, uh, maybe a couple hundred. But that might be ninety nine more than if you were writing academic books. Yeah, no, that's all, that's all true. Um, but I mean, the uh, I guess I'd say is those, those those numbers help. I mean, they provide a type of legitimacy uh, in the sense of. Uh, Usually when I'm introduced somewhere, I mean, that, that follower number is, is, is tossed out there. 
Um, and I guess I mean something, but um, it means something a little bit different to me than than, than it might uh, to to some others. Um, because you're also aware of, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I would say um, the question of of active involvement just being much less than than the numbers. I mean, for me, that's always been part of the issue: is that uh, you have you have a certain type of, of, of breadth in your reach in terms of scale, um, but the type of interaction, at least as I use Twitter, is, is pretty limited. Um, the, the quality of it is limited. And that's why I really see it more as, a, and as, as, as this sort of notepad function, whereas others use, use it much more as, as a form of dialogue and so on. That's just never been the way I've, I've, I've done it. I, I, I'm going to read a few tweets throughout our, conver our conversation today. Another one, very recent one, I, I, really, I really took to uh, goes like this. Ach, tweet. That sent itself before it was completed. We'll never know what might have been, but I suspect it's better this way. <laughs> yeah, well, that was simply written because I accidentally sent sand on the tweet before then. It was cut off halfway <laughs> and rather embarrassed by that. Yeah, I was going to ask you if this, if this <laughs> kind of situation happens often. I mean, it, it seemed to me that that tweet could... Uh, could in a way stand in so beautifully for so many situations in life. Yeah, sure. I, I suppose it could. It's, um, uh, but I, but I think that uh, one of the most popular topics on Twitter is Twitter. Um, that is certainly the one thing that everyone on it can identify with. And um, then, if you're going to extrapolate to something else, you certainly are welcome to. But. Um, uh, that's that's sort of the origin of of, of that. Uh, but but yeah, it's a question of I I really never know how people read these things. Um, I just know that when you're writing, I always see. I mean, we were on the topic of interruptions before. Uh, all these tweets as, as little textual interruptions um, because typically people aren't seeking out your feed and then reading through it, um, it's popping up, you know, uh, along with any number of other things that aren't connected to it, you know, in their, in their own particular timeline. Um, so I try to write everything as sort of a self-contained little uh, unit, you know, one, one message, one bottle. And um, that's, again, part of that, 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 uh, uh, technique is sort of what you're referencing right there. I mean, there's, there was, this was, this was in regard to, you know, something that happened to me just a minute beforehand, but, uh, the idea is that it can stand alone without any direct reference to that. One message, one bottle. I like that. Well, that, that notion. Well, I mean, that's, that would be the simplest form. I mean, the, the better you get at it, the more messages you put in one bottle. Uh, <laughs> and you know, this, this, yeah. this leads me to, uh, a, a more serious question, perhaps. Um, before being a failed intellectual, you were an intellectual. And while you were an intellectual, you probably spent a fair amount of time thinking about notions pertaining to the essay, notions pertaining oh. to the aphorism. And um, now, as a as a as a failed intellectual, you're writing in the grand great tradition of the aphorism. 
And I'm thinking in particular, Eric, of, of some of the, the best aphorists like, like Chamfort or Vauvenarg or, or I mean, so, so many of them, or Nietzsche for that matter, of Adorno in, in some way, though I, I, I suspect people wouldn't call him an aphorist, but, but there are aphorisms in, uh-huh. in Minima Moralia and in other places. And I'm wondering how much you've reflected on that. And of course, when I say failed intellectual, I'm simply calling you by the name you chose for yourself. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've taught them a lot, but I, I actually try not to reflect on, on it too much in terms of tradition. Um, part of the fun of this thing for me has been from the very beginning that uh, it's all been about a type of, of, of praxis for me and not, not about theorizing it while, I, while I'm doing it, at least not explicitly. And, um, but, but I know that the aphorism is what I came to enjoy most in teaching and what I found was most effective for me um, because I'm actually someone who tried to write lectures and tried to give lectures and found I was terrible at it. Uh, and uh, after just really, really struggling at that, I decided I would try to do it a different way and the way I ended up doing it was much more working with very short texts that uh, I was reading with students together, whether it be in a small seminar or a big lecture hall. And I was all thinking about one text at the, at the same time, and that's why I found aphorism so so helpful. Um, and and for me, uh, I ended up mainly teaching close reading. Again, no matter what it is that I was teaching, uh, somehow that's what I was doing. And for that, an aphorism is great. Uh, they they always say too little, and they say too much, and. The, whatever meaning uh, you're going to generate and engaging with one is going to be negotiated in one form or another. And that's, uh, for me, what, what the excitement has always been about in the short text. And the concision, the, the, the kind of condensation that happens. I mean, it's, it's, nearly, oh, yeah. it's nearly a haiku that you're, you're trying to, to construct. And it brought to mind something that the French believe belongs to them and something that the Americans believe belongs to them. Um, this quotation that the French believe is Blaise Pascal and the American believe is Mark Twain, where one of them said, if I had had more time, I would have made it shorter. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what I like about it in the sense that I think of what I'm doing is very much uh, as, a, as a type of craft. And um, uh, the concision is, is, is always the goal. Um, when I've gone back over things that I wrote in the beginning, uh, which at this point I guess is three, four years ago, uh, most of it's not very good. Um, some of it, the ideas are okay, but they're poorly executed. And um, that's kind of how I see what I've been learning over the last the last years, is sort of bringing a certain rhythm into what I'm writing um, and, and certainly working with concision. Uh, because I think a lot of what, what people like about about uh, Twitter in, in general is, in fact, um, a certain elegance of, of the concision. Um, that, that It's not always there, obviously, but that, that can be. Um, because I think that uh, there's a lot that's said about people's short attention span, obviously, and distraction and, and so on. Um, but there is a real appreciation for form uh, on Twitter, I've found. Um, because often the things that I've written that the most people responded to are things that are very uh, carefully constructed. 
um, and often, you know, using classical rhetoric in its construction. Uh, and I think that there's something that, that still very much speaks to people uh, in those kind of formulations. Um, in some way, I would say, despite the fact of being on Twitter, but I'd also would say maybe especially because it's 